Hi everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Creative Rituals Podcast. Welcome, welcome back, welcome to spring if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, welcome to autumn if you're not. It is really beautiful to celebrate the beginning of the season with this episode. I talked to Felicia Magnuson of Queen and Crow very recently actually, I think it was last week, which is a new flow for the podcast because I had last year such a big backlog of episodes to share with you. But I listened back just now and it was so beautiful and peaceful. I love Felicia's work so much and just felt really grounded and really present and really inspired after we talked. So I hope you'll get a lot out of this too. There's a lot in this conversation about kind of being called to be really tender in these times, um, letting flowers hold us through periods of grief, being polyamorous with the plant word, which I loved, and finding small everyday rituals and just, you know, letting where we are and what we have be enough in that. So thank you so much for listening and please check out the links in the show notes as well. Just a small announcement from me, um, as I've mentioned Previously, I've updated my Patreon. It's a whole new world of offering to support the show. If that's what you want to do, there's a living archive, there are new new moon creative space sessions and monthly intention setting sessions that you can join. I'll link to that in the show notes. And in the week of April 10th, I'm also offering a sustainable marketing immersion week where we're talking about things like DIY media, podcasting, PR, (laughs) launching something, getting clear on your message, uh, finding the right spaces to share your messages in. So if you are into a kind of quiet, steady, exploratory pace in your marketing, then that could be a really inspiring week. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here. Hello everyone. Um, I know I always say that, but I'm really truly so excited for this interview. I'm speaking to Felicia of um, Queen and Crow and I was saying earlier before we started recording that I really need to hear about plants today and I think um, Felicia has so much beauty to share about pleasure and connection and centering folks of color and doing the work of being alive in the world with grace and beauty and grid and all these important things. So I'm super um, excited to speak to you again. I've known you for a few years and you're someone I'm just really curious about. I, I would love to hear how you're experiencing these times and what you're dreaming for for the year. So for context, we're recording this in March 2023. I always like to say that because the podcast is such a kind of oral history archive I guess in a way and so who knows who will listen to this when but anyway (laughs) thank you so much for making time and being here I'm really excited thank you Yara thank you for the sweetest introduction (laughs) of beauty and grief and grit yeah yeah the medicines of working <laughs> plants for me mm-hmm. um, it's very early where I'm joining you from I'm here on the big island of Hawaii and I've got the shadows of the trees as the sun is rising and the sound of birds and still the sound of cokey frogs 
So it's early. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's an I, honor to be here. Yeah, thank you. I wish I could hear the sounds of croaky frogs. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can hear just a few of them. Yeah, mm. but the birds are taking over. I don't know where to start in terms of um, how it's been for me these mm -hmm. times. I, uh, my work has shifted so much during the pandemic and I feel like I'm one of those people that is still learning how to work online. Like pre-pandemic, I was traveling a lot to the continent, um, going to Portland, going to Oregon, going to Washington and Seattle and teaching in conferences and connecting with people still in apothecaries and in brick and mortar shops. Um, and then I had a child at the beginning of, of lockdown here in the States, essentially, right? Uh, I guess March is when I started to nestle in and May is when I had my daughter. But, um, as I started to come back into kind of my work, people were already online making these beautiful courses and having conversations over, um, what what is the platform that so many people are using? Mighty uh, Networks, maybe? Yeah, Mighty Networks. I mean, people <laughs> had already found their platforms. And I feel like I was just trying to figure out how to emerge into pandemic world as a new mother and with a child and not have the physical community present in really mourning um missing being witnessed, missing being witnessed in community. And so here I am, I guess, three years in coming, coming through a divorce, coming through the loss of friends, um, both to death and to life circumstances. And I feel like as I'm kind of reforming myself, um, figuring out who am I as a single mother? Who am I as a Black single mother? Who am I as an herbalist and a flower essence practitioner that doesn't really want to fuck around on the internet, but is willing to figure it out? Um, <laughs> you know, who am I cultivating spaces that exist in real life, but also can exist online for people to access them and in these real and authentic ways? Um, I'm getting to reform myself and my business and figure out how to be more vulnerable so i would say that the pandemic has also been an invitation for me in terms of vulnerability and i mean i guess it kind of has for everyone i know like it's calling us to be tender and to allow people to witness us from our computer spaces in places that we we weren't previously you know, we were previously maybe a little more polished. So yeah, I think that's the line I'm walking in in this time. Grief, tenderness, vulnerability, a constant like navigating of boundaries. How do I let people into my my world here in my work? How much of myself do I put forward? That's always a question for me as someone who doesn't really love social media spaces like what are the boundaries for how I allow people to witness me it's really confusing to me um I'll name that yeah I'll, I'll pause there 
Thank you so much. Yeah, that makes sense. And I relate to so much of this. And I think what I'm hearing also is like this really strange sense and relationship to time, right? Because, wow, we've just entered year four of the pandemic in a way. It's been probably, yeah, almost three years since your child was born. And But also what even is time and what has happened in this stretch? It feels like lifetimes in some ways and then also so many movements that felt or you saw many days that just felt very much the same and very uncertain um and yet here we are and like spring is coming <laughs> um so yeah thinking about time and navigation of things um and grief I wonder if you would like to share a little bit more about what your routines are like at the moment maybe as a parent how you're creating a rhythm in your life um mm. Maybe there are things that give you structure or a framework or, you know, practices or loves or plans. <laughs> mm, I love that. Let's see what my routines are like. Goodness. Um, having a having a toddler definitely places me in routine. You know, I'm like, there's there's morning time, there's breakfast and there's bath time. And somewhere in there, there's a nap for my kiddo. But I'm someone that has struggled with structure and routine my whole life. So me learning how to create routine for this child is is like really forced me to figure out how I hold myself in routine. And I have, right now I'm in the practice of, I've been trying to do the artist's way probably for like 15 years. Um, <laughs> so I'm currently doing the artist's way with with my good friends in New York and most mornings I'm waking up to scribble at least two pages of of um morning pages. And I can't say that I've worked through the exercises yet. You know, I get an artist date in during the week, but the morning pages, I'm held by a strong cup of Earl Grey tea in the morning and usually some sort of bone broth. Um and I'm spoiled by good fruits here in Hawaii. So a papaya often or a banana or whatever remnants of my daughter's breakfast that look like less mushy enough for me to eat. Um, and I've had to be really honest with myself about what routine can look like beyond that. Like I, I'm pretty committed to giving myself a walk somewhere beautiful each day and uh, after I drop my daughter off at daycare there's a part of the land here that is unswimmable people fish it but it's raw lava rock it's a, on the side of the ocean so I usually take myself there rain or shine and if it's torrential downpour then I sit in my car and I watch the heavy rains meet the ocean and if it's sunny then I walk along the water and force myself to go slow and to call a friend I think that is probably the strongest mark of my routine right now is I am always reaching out to someone like either for support encouragement or to remind them that I I miss them and I love them and I yeah, I would say that that is the strongest part of my practice. Um, and in terms of plants, uh, you asked me a question kind of before we 
we got on about um, referencing a question I had in a workshop, like how do we know that flower essences work? And I, I would say in my personal kind of routine practice, I am very polyamorous with the plants that I'm working with. Like I'm in multiple relationships with different essences all at once and it's beautiful. Um, and sometimes they speak really well to each other and other times they have boundaries where they ask me for a certain length of time before I work with another plant or so I'm I'm in communication about that with my plants. Um, but often I'm taking a flower essence or I'm taking a floral bath. Um, I usually am putting some sort of preparation of plant on me and my daughter just as a little protection when we go out in the world and either on like our head or tummy like an oil or a, a flower essence my daughter calls them her medicine drops and um, on the body they feel kind of like armor for the the places that I'm holding grief or longing or unexpressed emotion they feel like just like the hand of a loved one on that part of the body and if I'm working with my flower essence kind of repertoire in my daily life it feels like it's a space where I'm reorienting my thoughts like for me I'm I'm someone that navigates anxiety just in the form of ongoing restless spiraling thoughts and for me, flower essences have this way of slowing down, slowing down my thought patterns and letting me get a little bit of distance between my thoughts and my breath or my thoughts and my body or my thoughts and my reaction. Um, yeah, and I'd love to speak more about how I see them work with other people. But in my personal practice, like that's such a gift, that spaciousness, that holding of of the tenderness by a loved one or by a plant ancestor is such a such a bomb yeah yeah totally um again I'm relating to so much of what you said and I'm seeing so much beauty in the simplicity of your routines I think that's so yeah and I think that is the work of grief as well isn't it I'm I'm sensing this feeling of acceptance of like that is what's available and it's actually really beautiful and I'm really valuing that. Um, yeah, I feel the same. I, I have a little pink bench in my front garden, which I call the mental health bench. <laughs> and sometimes I just sit there and I talk to the daffodils that have just come up. And yeah, like we could focus on the things that maybe we don't no longer have time and energy and space and freedom for, like the bigger elaborate ritual, rituals and um, ceremonies. But there's such sweetness in these things and yeah that's something that this time has really gifted me and yes I would totally love to hear more about what you're seeing in other people when they work with plants and how you know that that works Ooh, thank you I love this idea of the mental health bench yeah thank you for sharing that um I'm trying to think I I've honestly seen a shift working with flower essences with with folks during the pandemic or during these times, I think when so many of us have been, our routines have been restructured and the spaces or the connections that we've relied on have been stripped away. But uh, 
in general, I say that flower essences are often speaking to people through the body in the form of sensation, um, through the mind in the form of thoughts, or through the spirit in the form, I mean, you could also say body or spirit, but of emotions, like emotions come up, you were fine, and all of a sudden you're crying, you were fine, and all of a sudden you've got anger in the pit of your stomach, and you don't know where it's coming from, um, or memories that surface for people that seem out of nowhere. And when I was in herbal school, I always learned that flower essences were such a subtle medicine and that they worked in these really subtle ways. Um, and I wonder if they get that rep because we're not, there's not as many medicines that work sl like in slowly or quickly or that can easily be ignored you know, or that you can write off, there's a relationship, I would say, between flower essences and your intuition, where you have to go, is this real? Am I experiencing this? Did I make this up? You know, why am I thinking about this memory from when I was a child? Is it what's what's brought it on? Almost like those synchronicities, synchronicities of um, when you're thinking about someone and they call you. Flower essences have a similar kind of signature in that, um, they can weave together events in time that seem like unlikely occurrences and at the same time seem perfectly, perfectly perfect. Like it was supposed to happen that way. Um, but as I've been seeing, and I've only seen like a, a handful of folks because I was still trying to work in person. So the handful of folks that I was working with, flower essences during these pandemic times, um, things are happening for them really quickly. Like normally when I would work with flower essences with folks, I would say, well, the first bottle you work with, it might just bring an awareness. You might just have more awareness of what sensations are happening in your body. Or if the body has been a site that has been hard to inhabit, or the body has been a place of fear or avoidance, you might just encounter the avoidance or, or the fear and have more awareness around where those are in the body. Um, or if it was someone who had like feelings or memories that would come up, I would say, yeah, you, you know, you might just notice more of them. Um, some people also have physical sensations. Like if, if we're working with a plant that is known to, if it's an herbal plant like dandelion that is known to detoxify the liver or something, Folks might have like, they're working with a flower essence and they might have headaches. So the, some folks might have these physical sensations and that occurrence is a little less, you know, my, my folks that have the really physical reactions, they're a little, I would say more few and far between. Um, but anyway, working through the pandemic moment, I'm, I'm just noticing that people are responding to their essences more quickly. So the first essence I thought would just bring awareness and here they are after working with their first essence and they're talking me talking to me about the dreams that have shifted for them and the memories that are coming up and they're starting to see more, I, how do I explain it? Like the site of transformation that I see when folks work with flower essences is 
when they're when people are able to see the pattern as it lives in their body or the pattern as it lives in their emotions or the pattern as it lives in you know the site of trauma the memory from something that happened that they're still feeling impacted by and then they start to feel a sense of agency oh this is this is the moment or this is the moment that i feel triggered and this is the action that i now feel like i can take and as I've worked with people during these moments, I'm just sensing that their timeline is a little bit quicker and they get all of the, oh shit, that's the memory. That's when I felt triggered. This is how it feels in my body. And I really feel like I could make a new decision about this in this moment. And and they're already doing it in their first flower essence. And then the second bottle, they're peeling back more layers. So I always say working with flower essences or plant medicine in general, it's like peeling the layers back of an onion and, you know, we resolve another issue and then, and then as life unfolds, we find another one, another side of healing and transformation, but it feels things are moving quicker, quicker. And I wonder if that's just, we're being more confronted with ourselves. We have less distractions or our, our routines, our patterns of moving through the world have been severely altered. So we're all a little bit more vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, we're all a little bit more receptive for better, or for worse. But with flower essences, it, it feels like it's um, a beautiful meeting place for, for the better. Yeah, thank you for my the space to rant on that. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I see that in myself and sometimes my friends too. And I think what you described about the triggers also reminded me of ghost pipe essence. I don't know if that's a plan you work with, but that's so often where I heard that described, right? Of like having a chance to be a little bit more separate from the pain and looking at it from like a different angle and being present, but not as immersed in the suffering of it and yeah Ooh. absolutely yeah that part being not so immersed in the suffering of it so you, you feel like you can make a different choice you're like oh shit this is the part in the movie where I do that other thing and now I can do something else yes yes Ooh. yeah but it's not easy it's it's really tempting to be identified with the way it has been in the past right Oy, oy, oy. Um, I love the ground we're covering. Um, if you feel like it, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you're navigating the landscape of small businesses. I share your feelings of like reluctance to engage with social media, I guess, and like wondering like how much do I want to share of myself? What is useful to share also for other people? And what does intimacy even mean at this time in such a digital way, but also so much gratitude for how technology can connect us and just does a lot <laughs> in there. I think for all of us, our businesses have really changed. So yeah, where are you at with these things and uh, what is helping you navigate this stuff? And uh, when you think about what, you know, how do you share about your work now? Like what is, what's making that easier? I would love to hear that. Oof. I feel like I need, I need to sip, sip some tea while I think about responding to that. Um, 
All right, let me think. I mean, I guess what comes to mind first for me is being a part of communities like like your your business community and for lack of a better word, kind of struggling through these questions with other people that are being really transparent about how scary it is to be witnessed in these spaces and um, being able to witness people that are trying new things. And I'm I'm someone that shows up in business community and I'm very much on the periphery unless I'm struggling through something and then I'm like, hey, I have a question. So I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm being really honest with myself about, I, I have always had a, a fear of being seen and my business is one stage that I play that fear out on. And when I first made my, my personal Instagram account, my business account, like the pressure that I felt to produce posts that were meaningful or informational, or, you know, I got really particular about my stories. And um, now I think where I'm at in that is as I move through different experiences, is and, and I think particularly uh, grief has done this for me I'm more willing to share just what I'm inspired by and sometimes it relates to working with plants and sometimes it just relates to literally what I'm what I'm excited about um and I guess another thing living living here in Hawaii um things happen really word of mouth and that has really put a a wrench in everything I learned about how you do business while I was living on the continent that you needed to market yourself and you needed business cards and you needed um like that's just not the way that things work on this island it works where when you connect with someone if they like your work they're going to tell their auntie and their friends and then your name will slowly make its way around the community. And similarly, I mean, the intimidation about that is people don't like your work. People are going to know about it. Um, <laughs> but I guess I think I was reflecting on this before. Another thing that I've just been practicing is when people ask me what I do and that's still a question that I shiver at like what do you do for for a living and I'm like usually I'm like I'm a I try to get through it as quickly as I'm a flower essence practitioner and an herbalist and I work with people that are I'm like <gasps> and I work with people that are transforming narratives of unworthiness and trauma and also exploring sexuality or reclaiming their pleasure like I just I've stopped putting pressure on myself to explain the weight of that to everyone. And I think part of part of um, part of me figuring out how to exist on social media, part of me figuring out how to work a newsletter, um, is just me realizing and reminding myself, similar to all of my other relationships, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea I'm not going to be everyone's favorite flavor and that's okay and some people are just 
not going to know what the fuck I do. There's plenty of people that when I say I'm a flower essence practitioner still think that I sell essential oils. And then if I'm like out in the world and I'm like, here's a flower essence, try one. And they go to smell it. I'm like, oh, 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 that's not how it works. But here, let's try it together. And I just, I think I also in this process of figuring out how to exist on these different platforms and how to be vulnerable, I just like, I'm like, oh yeah, I get to have many minute, many moments of vulnerability with people where they're legitimately like in this experience with me of trying to figure out what I do and it's vulnerable for both of us and at the end of it we may or may not want to be around each other and and that's okay um I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I have learned or that has made it more comfortable for me I don't think there's anything else that I'm learning. Like it literally feels like coming out over and over again. Um, yeah, I would relate it to the ways that my identity as a, as a queer woman, mostly when I was married, felt kind of buried. Like um, when I was married to a, a straight man, I felt like my identity and my queerness were something that were hidden. And similarly, I think being a business, being a small business owner in the holistic health space, which has really taken off during the pandemic and which is really commanding people's imagination in, in this way. That sharing on social media, learning how to reveal my story um, it feels a lot like coming out over and over again. And because I hold a queer identity that hasn't always felt seen, um, there, I think I compare it sometimes to the, the challenge, the grief, and also the protection of that. Um, and I think I was just reflecting on the ways that the holistic health field during the pandemic has gotten so much attention. And I think as mainstream society has been trying to sell people things for this moment and sell people purpose and sell people certainty, um, there is a, just like a revving up of I would say spiritual bypassing in, as I see it exist in, um, in herbalism community and plant spirit medicine community. I mean, all of kind of the mass appropriation of indigenous wisdom, um, commodification of really beautiful and over harvested plants um, and a, like the way that different plants get spotlighted in herbalism or yeah in, in mainstream herbal community like try rhodiola for this and siberian ginseng for this and cordyceps and reishi and maca for this um there's a way that i've really had to step back and not let my fear of i think getting wrapped up in the the ways that all of that feels toxic and dehumanizing 
um, and dehumanizing to plant community. I don't, I don't know a better way of expressing that, but uh, just sloppy and um, like it's lost the sacredness and, and the, the wisdom keepers, like it doesn't pay homage to, um, you know, the, the folks that traditional plant knowledge comes from around the world. I've had to really slow down and think about what people are coming to me for um, during the beginning of the pandemic when Black, Black Lives Matter was being more shouted out. There were Black herbalists that were also being shouted out, and I was one of them. And gaining a bunch of followers at that time, I think was really alarming to me, um, you know, during Black history. Yeah, coming coming through social media, a rant of rants, coming through social media, coming through and trying to figure out how I speak about myself and my work in the social media spaces is always a question for me about how do I be transparent about the privileges that I hold as a mixed Black woman, um, as a U.S. citizen, and how do I continue to talk about my teachers? Um, and also, how do I share my story knowing that there might be people moving in holistic health space that for the month of February want to feature a Black herbalist and are are willing to talk about my story like it's convenient for that month. How does my work in the world as a herbalist, as a flower essence practitioner, kind of combat the extractiveness of um, what capitalism does to anything beautiful? Yeah, sells it sells it back to us and tells us that it will solve our problems and that we didn't have a connection to it ignores ignores the you know the roots that we all have to the wisdoms and the medicines that we're seeking um somewhere in our lineages so uh some days i'm able to approach how i show up in a media space in a really simple way and a lot of other days i feel the weight of everything that i want to be doing with my business the communities that I want to uplift and the teachers that I want to honor. And I get quiet because I don't know how to cover it all. Um, and I think being in the business community to make their business be a an extension, a living extension of their integrity and, and are willing to also publicly um, show when they've missed the mark is inspiring to me because yeah it just I feel like it's how we if we want to be living in our integrity need to be doing business and I think for me in the social media space that means I will be honest about how hard it is for me to be seen and um, how much pressure I feel to to be in my integrity for the, the folks I really care about and how scary that, that is. 
Yeah, thank you. That was my my winding rant of an answer to that. I didn't realize how far, how mm. far, how deep it was. It was great. Yeah, thank you. I love what you said about capitalism touching everything that is beautiful and just, yeah, speaking to the complexity of how hard it is and sometimes it feels good and sometimes it's fairly straightforward, but a lot of the time it is really complicated and I think I want to remind myself sometimes that <clears throat> we're so new to how the internet works and in our minds as well, like establishing a sense of safety in group when you don't really know who is actually, you, you know, listening or paying attention to what you're sharing and where, where these people came in, you know, maybe at times when you, you were featured in a way that felt tokenizing or extractive. And then, yeah, like, I think it's so easy for people to say, oh, I really want, you know, I want to have this like magical viral moment and have 10 times as many followers as I had last week um, in a day. But the reality of it is really confusing in a way. And I, I think it can do things to our creative expression that maybe we can't even really name and fully understand yet. And there's a real price to pay for that sometimes. Yeah. Well, I didn't even think about that with the viral moment. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so true. We want, we, I mean, it makes sense. Like in business, I do think there's a human urge. I want, I want to be seen. I want my work to be out there. I want it to find the right people. And in the social media space, try as we might even to be in our truth. Yeah, we don't get to control who shows up and what they do in acceptance or to contort our messages or our meaning and there really is a, a surrender around that yeah yeah that's very true um you mentioned kind of shifts in your work and um I think I understand that you've had different business models you talked a little bit about having been more in person and teaching and traveling for that and then coming online and seeing what other people have done what is your thinking at the moment about what kind of business model works for you or what you want to explore further? Mm. I've, I've been feeling like I really want to get back to doing one-to-one -one work. Um, and like, I want to invite people to work with me either for a session or in a three or six month container. So um in a three-month container, just like working with people one once a week um, and with a new flower essence every two, week, two weeks and then being in communication around what that flower essence is bringing up for them, um, what it's shifting mentally, emotionally, physically, how it's showing up in their dreams, what shifts they're seeing in their lives, like really going through that process with someone kind of on a weekly basis so that I can celebrate and affirm with them what they're seeing shift for themselves and I love working one-to-one -one. I mean for a long time I really wanted to do these group containers because I was hungry for more community and and I really do think that um, healing in all the ways is something that we do in in relationship and that when we have the group spaces, we get to witness each other's 
transformations and we get to cheer each other on. But my kind of longing to be in the one-to-one space, I think, is to build a, a deeper intimacy with someone where they can see themselves reflected. Um, something I've sought for myself during the pandemic is coaching, um, tarot, tarot coaching, actually, uh, with now kind of a friend mentor. I work with this woman named Tiffany who has a company called Love Child and working with her one-to-one in this capacity to both be learning the tarot and using it as a tool to speak to my inner child and to unravel some of these deep patterns of neglect and self-abandonment. Being able to have someone reflect the intimacy of that journey into my childhood with me reminds me of the power of slowing the work down and having someone who holds a a longer time container and can reflect back to you. Remember where we started in the beginning, where you were seeing yourself in this way? Do you, you remember when we started to peel back the layers and uncover the stories underneath those behaviors or those fears and we got to the memories? It's just such a beautiful journey, I think, to dig deep um, with plant medicine. And it's my hope that in doing these longer three-month and six-month containers that I can walk with someone as they're exploring something like um, kind of reclaiming their intuition or, or stepping into an embodied sense of their intuition where they're able to really move through space and time and feel the agency of knowing what their intuition is saying them saying to them in the moment um for folks that are shifting patterns where they've been talked out of their intuitive knowing knowing and there's so many things that would do that for someone could be trauma could be um growing up in in a space where that part of them was just not celebrated or welcomed, but or working with folks that are wanting to cultivate more more command of their own pleasure, wanting to reclaim feeling liberated or empowered um, in their own body without the gaze of another person. I want to be able to reflect each step of the journey back to someone and slow down the emotions and the narratives as they come up and be able to pause and find where they live in the person's body and what memories they're tied to and really spend time so that someone can map their journey of knowing back to themselves and feel like they've been celebrated every step of the way that's that's kind of my hope with one-to-one work and um I think in terms of doing group work I really do want to be doing in-person classes again and I think I'll start here on the big island um I'll be teaching at the spirit weavers gathering in June in Oregon so slowly I'll make my my way back to group work, but the desire to teach group work on the internet 
has lessened for me and the desire to step into these one-to-one spaces is feeling really alive. So uh, stay tuned for working with me either for a session or for a three-month or six-month container. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I really I really hear that. And I think what you're describing about the longevity of a relationship in, in a transformative healing process with someone is so counter to kind of, yeah, we, what we talked about, how um, extractive capitalism can be and how I think Instagram sometimes, you know, gives us these like flashy, fast-paced highlight reels and how that translates sometimes into session like you know very meaningful private healing work is that we think oh yeah I'll just have like a session with this person and then I'll have a little session with this person and actually being able to drop in and commit to a relationship and see that through over time I know that's not always accessible and financially possible for people but um, I think there's also valuable questions about how how we consume overall you know like obviously I'm not talking about situations where we can't meet our basic financial needs but Mm -hmm. I definitely have had periods in my life where I wasn't that really heady fast paced I need to buy something to fix this and Mm -hmm. slowing down and being like well you know maybe I'll I'll make a more careful considered Mm -hmm. investment in something that has that longevity for me rather than just bouncing around different things could be really good and that's a hard lesson I needed to learn yeah oh it's it's so true um I mean one yeah these longer containers it really is a luxury to be able to work with someone one to one in a longer container and um, I think so many, for so many of us, like uh, here in the States, some of the things that should be just basic, <clears throat> basic self-care, like access to mental health services, it, sometimes it can be like, what's on the chopping, what what's on the chopping block? Like if I can get it together and I'm not spending money on, on lattes or on a treat, so that I can invest in these larger containers for myself and my own healing. Sometimes it feels like, well, I have to choose between that and something else I really want to do, or I don't know. I mean, I'm someone that still has to pay out of pocket for therapy. And I think my hope as I imagine the business model, as I continue to restructure my business is that I can invite people who can afford to pay for these larger containers outright um, if they're willing to pay above the cost of the container that I can subsidize it for folks who can't because um, I think a major grief for me existing in kind of the spiritual health community is so much of this work is not accessible to one, the communities where the wisdom originally comes from. And it's not always accessible to single mothers or to folks of color um, or to anyone that is, or to queer folks that are struggling to pay for some of their other other needs, um, be it 
you know, folks that they feel comfortable speaking to in health professions that they have to pay for out of pocket because their insurance doesn't cover um, folks who can be gender affirming in in the allopathic sense. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there really is this gap in terms of the kind of healing that we all deserve access to, the kind of resources that we all deserve access to, and um, the ability to afford deepening into relationship with our healing uh, in a way that is sustainable. And I think the way that capitalism via social media can look, sometimes it's like the folks that can afford to try on different modalities, it feels like they can try them on. They can afford to try them on. And then the folks that are sometimes longing to reclaim relationship to their ancestral medicines, they can't even afford access to them, um, let alone, you know, try to dip their toes in. So there's major grief for me in terms of thinking about how do I make this accessible um, to the communities I really want it to go to? And I think I will try to figure out other ways I can invite people into my work if it isn't the larger containers. And I don't know if that looks like a monthly a monthly offering, like a um, a sliding scale drop in where that becomes a series if folks want to join every month or is a standalone but there really is a way that I'm always grappling with just the reality that the work doesn't always touch who it needs to and that's heartbreaking or the work doesn't always touch the folks that really want it and that's heartbreaking mm-hmm yeah thank you that's so that's such a beautiful way of expressing it I really feel that grief too and I also see in people how that how overwhelming that grief can be and how it can be really tempting to kind of overstretch as a response to hold a lot of group space and make that accessible at any cost because we want people to have it so badly Mm -hmm. um, because they deserve it so much and so do we and there's just a lot of redistribution that really really needs to happen um yeah yeah thank you oh true yeah thank you I think that that part like being you know being a woman of color being a single mother um yeah every it, for me there is so much rewiring of um not being in overextension. And I have beautiful teachers like Karen Rose who um, are constantly affirming, we cannot give ourselves, we cannot, you know, we can't sacrifice ourselves in service of our communities because that's not sustainable either. So for me, it really is like a learning, a consistent learning how, how to do it. Um, yeah, without without sacrificing my my own energy or the other way without sacrificing my integrity. Um, yeah, so thank you for that reflection and for the space to just think about 
the challenge of making work accessible and and also of needing to honor needing to be financially and emotionally sustainable myself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I want to be respectful of your time there's so much more I would love to talk about but maybe you'll be back one day um but for now what are you currently offering and where can people find you what's a good way to learn more yeah let's see um current offerings you can always find them on my website at queenandcrow.com uh the and part is spelled out (laughs) and I also will post some yeah usually I post my offerings um on Instagram at queen and crow and the containers are what I'm offering so either work with me for one session if you're wanting to experience a flower essence for the first time or for the first time in a long time um or if you're wanting to work with a flower essence and reclaiming ancestral medicine through channeling um, or through other plant medicines like spiritual baths um, or teas. There's the three-month container and the six-month container, and both of those will be on my website. Um, And you can always reach out to me via email if you have questions about how else to be a part of my work um, or where else to, if there's a space that you you think that I would be a good fit for um I welcome that too I really want to be in connection and to collaborate with other practitioners and to find other spaces that my work can exist in that feel resonant thank you Yaro thank you so much for having me and for taking the time to deepen in with me and tackle big questions and be vulnerable. It always feels like such a gift to speak to you and um, such an act of care to be in communication and in community with you. Thank you so, so much. I really love talking to you too. I feel grounded and inspired and really excited for you. And I can't wait to see what else is going to unfold for you and your work. And yeah, just thank you so, so much. I'm really excited to share.